0: This podcast is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. A big thank you goes out to Adnan Isel, owner of Isellers Estate Winery. You can visit them at 615 Concession 5 Road in Niagara on the Lake, or check out their website at isellers.ca.
1: Find out how you can support us, like Adnan by visiting patreon.com/slash two guys talking wine. You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. On last week's episode of Two Guys Talking Wine.
0: So we, we opened a bottle of Chateau de Ceremie Corbiere 2002 and basically shot the about a lot of topics, but it seemed to revolve mostly around that bottle of wine and whether we liked old wine or did not like old wine. André Prou was a thumbs down on old wine, while Michael Pincus really liked the old wine characteristics. Now, and if you remember, but please go back if you do not, because it gets our listens up, André pulled out a bottle of 2011 Chateau Confession, and now Chateau La Confession, excuse me, as Andre shows it to me. And now, if you had heard in the back, Andre is now pulling the cork. And now the continuation from last week's episode. Andre, I'm thrilled that you actually opened that bottle of wine. I don't look at you guzzling whatever was in that glass. We are still sipping on this ceremony, but...
1: uh... (laughs) I, um... I haven't been back to Bordeaux since twenty fourteen. Uh, but well frankly because I fell in love with Lyon and Beaujolais, and I've been back to Lyon twice since that trip. Good lord, we gotta make sure we save some of this for my wife or she's gonna murder me.
0: She won't know because she doesn't listen to the podcast.
1: No, but she'll <laughs> she'll notice the bottle missing off oh. the shelf. All right. So 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 Chateau la Confession, the the right bank of Bordeaux has a classification system, just like the left bank, but mm-hmm. it's not as old. So you have... Um, so it's Merlot dominant. But you have... Uh, no, nope. it's... You got a lot of Cabernet Franc. Mo- okay, most of, them, most of them are Merlot dominant, but you've talked about like the heavy hitters. Like Chateau Cheval Blanc is 50-50 Cab Franc Merlot. But you see more Cab Franc on the right bank. But just to sort of explain how it works, you have the Premier Grand Cru Class A. And there's a handful of them grand cru Class A, there's a lot more of them and then you can put grand cru on your bottles but what that means is you followed a specific set of rules kind of like doc i, I don't say g because there's no tasting panel but it has to do mainly with uh cropping and, and just the way you deal with your winemaking so okay so we, so we so this is a grand cru we talked wine. about
0: an $11 bottle of 16 year old wine now we are here At a, how much is this? It was like 50, 60 bucks. It's it's not
1: terribly expensive, but it's a lot of money. Okay.
0: So it's a 50, $60 bottle of wine. We are now eight years uh, from vintage date. So uh, Andre, what are your thoughts? It's too young.
1: Okay. So too young. It's still got the tannin on it and it still has some vibrant fruit to it. Because we mentioned a little bit in the last podcast about wines being built. And I think Bordeaux are wines that are clearly built to age. Especially wines like this.
0: So that's a lovely bottle of wine. To tell you the truth, I'm happy to drink that right now.
1: I find the tannins still just a little they are a grippy. Little,
0: yeah, they are a little. They are, they are grabbing at the tongue. There's no doubt about it. But I would say in about two hours, that bottle is is going to be in in one of those places where you're going to be very happy.
1: But how, how about those it? aromas? Like the nose is just so concentrated. And once again, this is not taking away from the Chateau Sérème. It's just like these wines are clearly made differently. Like They're made 100 percent differently. There's no been, doubt about this it. This has been cropped down. Like this has been. One's, a,
0: one's eleven dollars. One's fifty-five. Let's let's cut it in the middle somewhere. So I would. I think I'd like to see La Confession at 16 years. Although I don't know if it'll make Actually, it. Actually, but I, I think it would probably age well. Very we're well, we're also talking
1: way. about vintage variation because I had a vertical going back to 08, and I've been drinking them sort of at the 10 year mark. Yeah. Um, when I opened the 2010, um, it was past its prime. It wasn't as past its prime as the CRM, but as I said in the last podcast, I like the wine where the fruit is still vibrant and young, but the tannin has relaxed. Yep. When I start getting that that secondary flavors, like where it's still fruit but really dried up, I'm not enjoying the wine as much as when it's like young and vibrant. And I found that 2010, when I drank it in 2018, was a little bit
0: dried up. So comparatively, now this is a 2011. Where are you on this? Because and I, this, is, this
1: is a little bit too young. It is starting to show some of its secondary flavors, but the tannin is still grippy. It's grippy as hell.
0: I find that that lovely. Obviously, I am not the the I'm not the foodie that you are. I like food, but I am not the person who. Uh, tries a bottle of wine and thinks, "What am I gonna dr- What am I gonna eat with this?" Uh, or, by conversely, do I make my menu and then go down to my cellar and go, "This will go very well with that." I'm a drink what I want, eat what I want, and if they don't go together, don't put them in your mouth at the same time, kind of guy. Okay. Whereas you, I think, are always on the hunt for a, a do, combination that. Well-
1: I mean, and I'm surprised we didn't get more reaction to it because um, we essentially said that food and wine pairing is kind of bullshit on the podcast. And I sort of stand by that where I'm totally in agreement with that, where, you know, it's sort of like we said, wine and food. There's certain wines and food that go good together. But like I'm saying that with like not a lot of enthusiasm where there is only a handful of wine and food pairings. Where it's just like, oh, my God, this has elevated the wine. This has elevated the food.
0: There are a lot of. Uh, pizza, pasta, burger, wines. There are yeah. so many of those. Because
1: that- there's certain there's certain things you just don't want to go and go. But like, I don't know. I think an off dry Riesling is a great pasta, burger, pizza wine too. Because you're getting sweetness with salty and acid when you're talking about wine and food put together.
0: Look, I'm I'm one of those who who opens a bottle of Chianti with my neighbor, and uh, we just drink them out of little um, uh, juice glasses.
1: And you don't pull out the Zaltos for that? No. Why Just not?
0: little juice glasses. Because so he's old school Italian, right? So he's a few, okay, year, he's if a few years if people old. People
1: can picture this when Michael says old school Italian, he's doing the stereotypical like the thumbs the, the, on the fingers the thumbs on the, the fingers, and he's about to talk like a Mario. Like he's got he's he's old school. Oh God, Italian. Okay. And first off, to anyone Italian, I'm sorry if I offended you. <laughs> I got the hunched shoulders. I'm a moving like it is. Okay, now Michael did it. You need to apologize. So
0: no, I'm not gonna apologize because okay, if gone, you cherry. if you watch, you know, old time movies when they're in Italy and they're sitting on the on the on the piazza and they're and they've got the the it's basically a or they're sitting around the family table. They have those those old uh, juice glasses or a juice glasses and that's what they're pouring the wine into. And Joe and I, that's my neighbor, um, hello, Joe, um, have decided that anytime we open a bottle of Chianti, that's what we're going to drink. In the uh, But anyway, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that I do with Chianti. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. But I, I like doing that. It's it's a fun thing that I do. I remember that we opened once a bottle of Chianti, and I knew it was corked. I knew 100% it was corked. We drank the whole bottle bottle of wine, because out of a juice glass,
1: who cares? This is already, uh, sorry, the lack of sale, it's already a little bit brown on the edges. Look,
0: I, I, you said that you think it's still a little young. I would agree with you. It is still a little bit young, but I think you're getting to the sweet spot, like, within oh, yeah. the next oh, year. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, within the next year.
1: But, I mean, that's it. Uh, coming back to, once again, what we said last podcast, I've been swirling this first glass we didn't pour huge glasses we poured a splash to get an idea of it um i've been swirling it basically the entire time you and i were both busy offending the entire italian community um but with quite a bit of swirling it's opening up like is, it's blossoming
0: this is a gorgeous one you're within a year of its sweet spot and the the thing about wine that that i don't think a lot of people realize is that the sweet spot of wine isn't isn't a one day thing no it you can a wine can can peak and then plateau for years yes and and i think that's very important to realize that you don't have to hit it on that right exact day you can hit it uh, uh, it could be a whole year it could be three years it could be five years that it's at that plateau some wines drop right off the table and some wines have a slow steady decline that ceramic. Was a slow, steady decline. Yes. Although it was on the decline, this is, I think, still. If you think of it as a graph, a,
1: that ceram that probably peaked within four years of you buying it, probably, and then it's been on the slow decline since then, which is great because, once again, when we talk about wines being built, like a, a ten-dollar Languedoc wine, is being made for that ninety-nine percent of people who are going to take it home and drink it immediately. Correct where the la confession is a smaller handmade you know craft craft winery for right. lack of a better term probably let let's just throw a random number out there and if anyone has stats to correct me please do so but i'll say it's it's 50%. Let's say 50% of the people are buying this because they know what it is. They're going to put it in either their cellar or in my case my my wine racks and they're going to wait At least a few years to open it.
0: There's some some really good tannin in here, but, I mean, you're within a year of its its peak. I agree with that. That's my guess. You're within a year.
1: I'd agree with that. And this is a wine I buy every year just, frankly, because I love the Canadian connection. I love that John owns the winery. And it's really cool if you visit Saint-Emilion and you drive up the street. like It's across the street from uh, Grand Pontet, another really great winery. Mm -hmm. But they have a French flag and an Ontario flag on their flagpoles. Oh, that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. so it's got a nice Ontario connection. Yep. Yeah. and um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very happy. Thank you very much for opening that, Andre. That's that's you know that really shows uh, you know Bordeaux in a in a great light. Uh, it, it's yeah, I I will fully admit Bordeaux is one of those places like Burgundy that oh, confuses the a crap problem. out of me.
1: I I don't find Bordeaux confusing, but I find it too expensive to get the good stuff. I, I find it not
0: very approachable. And there's but been, if, a few, but it's, I've been a few wines that we have found that were very approachable. And that's, it. and
1: that's been the best part about the Toronto Life monthly piece that we do is I think it's really given us a chance to focus on Burgundy and Bordeaux regions. And first off, Burgundy doesn't, like...
0: Burgundy confused the hell out of me. And yes, we have to get Thomas on the podcast.
1: Yeah, we do need to, to do a Burgundy podcast with Burgundy. Thomas. Well, because... Um, I want him to bring a bottle
0: of wine from every region in Burgundy
1: (laughs) Uh, I mean that depends how you break that down we gotta tag him on that Uh, oh my god can you imagine
0: like that would be like 100 bottles of wine
1: well the other thing I I think a problem with Burgundy too is it's really not accessible at least with Bordeaux you and I have been able to kind of crack the code a little bit with what comes through Vintage's because there are some really interesting crew bourgeois Saint-Emilio Grand Cru that work their ways through Vintages that don't cost an arm and a leg, where with Burgundy, there's a lot of really entry level stuff, and the problem is the entry level stuff is still thirty, forty dollars. Yeah,
0: it's not. It's not an easy region to crack.
1: And there's a lot of stuff that goes through classics, and the classic stuff is so expensive. Yeah, uh,
0: it's it's you know there's some really great wines in Burgundy. You know, and again, this is this is a Thomas topic, so yeah, we should really yeah, we'll get off of it that. and let him, you know, take us on that tour of Burgundy that he wants. So Thomas, when when you have some time in the new year, let's hopefully get together and, 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 and get together. You know what? Maybe we should record that in his new facility down yep. in Niagara. Because he's got a new facility now that he's, he's doing. On doing then. retail
1: sales online, which is exciting.
0: Yeah. And he's also, you know, he's also got the the new Le Clos Jordan uh, thing going on. So... You know, find out how that's going on. We, we got to look back into Thomas. We can't just have him once a year. We got to, we got to continuously bring him back because he's a wealth of knowledge. And well, he fills up an hour in no time flat
1: or three hours and then Andre has to oh, cut, I love cut it, it down to you oh, yeah. Here,
0: Andre, here's three hours of, of tape. See what you can do with it.
1: You know, I, I really think we're out of gas on this. I know the podcast is short, but uh, thank you for prying this out of my cellar. Oh my God. Like, the bottom of the cork just look at the color of that but that's
0: that's a complete purple but it, you know what it's not up the cork in any way shape or form and i love seeing that
1: that is a really nice cork
0: that's it's in perfect condition andre you got to get a picture oh. of that for the podcast did that.
1: you know that jean-philippe januics and i know you don't know this i don't know why i asked you if you, Do know, you this. know there's no way you know this but uh jean-philippe plays gregorian chants Oh, to the barrels on speakers into the barrels of the wine, and
0: that's for Chateau La Confiance, right? Yes. Well, actually, I didn't know it was him who did it, but I had heard there no, was winemakers also, I doing. I there's it.
1: lots of people in, in in Bordeaux that do that.
0: So, do you feel more Gregorian drinking this wine?
1: Well, I feel a little bit more serene, but frankly, anything that keeps me calm while I have to deal with you is uh, considered <laughs> a W. All right, and uh, here I go
0: popping a, a Scotch bonnet. I'm Michael Pincus of com.
1: I'm Andre Prue of ca. Check out our Patreon. It helps us make great content like this, but I'll be honest, I'm not sure if this is our finest work. But I think it's important to talk about aging wine because I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are collectors.
0: I would think so. And I would think that, or they want to be budding collectors. And um, you look, you can either collect like me, which is just any cheap you can find well frankly
1: let's, let's let's face it your cellar is russian roulette of wine
0: it is totally and, and i'll be honest yeah.
1: my, mine is, is also a little bit of that because i live in an apartment in toronto i don't have the temperature control i do my best to keep the room at the best thing but let's face it this 2011 has seen fluctuations in, in temperature in your cellar this wine would be way younger than what we're drinking right now could be,
0: could be. But I mean, you know, it's it's lovely that you open it and that it, you, you're you're buying more expensive wine than I am. Just drink your wines young. Drink your wines young. She, you, you can't take them back when they're too old. Well, no, you can't bring them back from the abyss. I guess. I, I
1: guess. I mean, if you, if you're spending the money, drink drink the wines young. You, you'll enjoy them way more than if you regretted aging them too long. I, I would I would guess, but if.
0: I still go with age some
1: you know age some of them buy buy in the rule of three I know we we're, we're way off again oh no 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 but I love I actually agree with you on this rule
0: of three drink one now drink one in a few years and then figure out what to do with your third bottle
1: mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. night thanks for listening please subscribe to two guys talking wine on iTunes